You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Rajid, the podcast where we take a deeper dive into the latest shows we see, sharing our insights and opinions on the performances, storyline, and everything in between. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the new off-Broadway play Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy. Whether you're unable to catch the show in person or you're looking to enhance your experience after seeing it, this episode is for you. And as always, we want to give you a heads up that this episode will contain spoilers. So if you're ready to dive into this production, stick around with us. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie, and we're thrilled to be your hosts for today's episode. Without further ado, let's start the conversation about Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Half hour. Welcome, everyone, to the new episode of Half Hour with Jeff and Richie. Today, we are talking about the off-Broadway play Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy. Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy, takes place at St. Petersburg's infamous real-life internet research agency, where workers manipulate social media to advance Russia's agenda in 2016 before the United States presidential election. The show is currently playing at the Vineyard Theater. It is a play by Sarah Gancher and is directed by Darko Tresla. Okay, so before we get into this deep dive of this show, I think we should do what we always do and start with our bold statements about the piece and then see how that unfolds into our conversation. So your turn first. Okay, Russian Troll Farm. Here's my thoughts. This was very well executed. It was a play that took, a team took a play and executed it well on the stage. That was mm-hmm. my most favorite part about this. And also was quite frightened and eye-opened at this and what was going on during 2016 and how, as much as that seems so long ago, it really wasn't, and it was a scary time. But my bold statement would be the execution of this to the stage for what we saw was really, really fun. Love that. Yeah, bold statement for me is that this is... Super cool thing to be off-Broadway, a a super cool off-Broadway writing. It works. It definitely has those great moments of like uncertainty, but also eye-opening. And I feel like it just hits the mark on the head of what should be playing right now by taking current events and putting it on the stage. Totally. I mean, I feel like the, first of all, this is our first experience at the Vineyard Theater, which is a wonderful off-Broadway space to do these works uh, and new works like this. I thought the set lighting sound projection design of this was wonderful. 
overall the plot the acting it was really enjoyable and it was like like i said earlier scary i don't know i was just kind of scared the whole time and i don't know if that's how i was supposed to feel but i kind of was well let's get into that then because i think we should you kind of discuss this overall plot first and the concept and the genre totally let's let's go into that a little bit i think for me what what do you consider this genre comedy right it's it's it also comedy. It's educational ish, I, I guess. Right, we're learning. It's a political. It's very political. It's definitely a political piece. Mm-hmm. Um, the plot made sense to me. I like that it was divided into different characters' perspectives. Very different. Like, let's learn. This chapter one is going to be called this character for twenty minutes. And then this chapter is going to be called this. Yet they all intertwined with each other, and it really showed how, in any workplace, but specifically this one, how four very different people worked. Yeah. And, or five, right? And how they all had very different agendas and very different ways of getting what they needed to get done in this agency. Yeah. So it's one act and it's told in four parts. And it's like really from the point of view of each character, which I thought was super cool to kind of see on how they all kind of work in this like not so great place. Uh, you know, being in a, a uh, social media, what do they call it? Research center that's kind of manipulating people's thoughts is... Super interesting. Do you feel like that fully came across to us as audience members? I know that this was kind of like set up for everyone a bit in the playbill to kind of understand that. But I feel like watching it, it comes across that way. What do you feel? Yeah, I it took. I don't know why it took me a while to realize that it was in Russia. But I know they had rushed. Most of the characters had Russian names and that they were speaking English, obviously. So that's maybe why I thought maybe because because. I guess another reason why maybe I thought it couldn't have been Russia is also because so much of this was happening here. Um, mm-hmm. Whether you were in Clinton or Trump or whatever, where you were, on the, you, there was so much, so much being said on the internet about those two people, always, at all times. It was the first, I find, one of the first elections where, yeah, there was interference from the country. So it was like, yeah, I understood, because there was the one character, Steve, that was so like Trumpian, and mm-hmm. you would have thought he was like, Maybe he was in Russia for the Trump team, but he was also like acting like an American Trump supporter. So it was it was so fascinating to me. And of course, it's called the Russian troll farm and the whole term of Internet trolling and what that means was so evident here. Yes, I thought the plot made sense. I understood where we were. I liked the use of incorporation of technology. We'll talk about that a little bit when we get into some of the design. But yes, the plot made sense to me. I thought it was a nice lengthy length of storytelling too. Well, that's one thing I wanted to talk about a little bit more too, because I feel like I had this whole thing going eventually when I got a little bit deeper into the play. But it kind of has that Book of Mormon feel to it where it's like, Book of Mormon is just to represent religion in general. So you could take Book of Mormon and apply it to any religion and how it tries to convert people into the faith. And now with something like Russian Troll Farm, it has this whole underlining overall internet theme going on around like, how do we process things on the internet? And do we just find things that validate our opinions? So when we look at Troll farms in general, so many things that we see on the internet really are there to kind of help support conspiracy or kind of let people, you know, if someone's racist, do they find something that helps them there? If someone is, you know, conservative and wanting to really want, uh, you know, want to see a conservative president win, like, are they finding those things? So it's 
I thought this was eye-opening in that way of, okay, it's a Russian troll farm. The Russians wanted Trump to win. And what were the things that people used to kind of pin people in America against each other? And now how are we really supposed to, as Americans, kind of tackle this now? Well, yeah, and it's a problem that we've kind of unleashed Pandora's box a little bit. And now how do we kind of deal with this? Because every election cycle now we're dealing with, I feel like ever since the 2016 election cycle, we're now of like a election deniers or that person didn't really win or that person should have won or, oh, this person shouldn't be or can't win or should. there's everyone comes up with these theories on these people now. And so many of them on sometimes on both sides are conspiracy theories about these people and their lives and their past and where their money is and what they do. It's it's fascinating to me how this play really did show like what this specific election cycle was going through. But I also say, and this is me going into my theater brain a little bit, troll farm. If you think of a farm, a farm is a place where different animals are being raised, being killed sometimes, being used for a food source, a farm can be an animal farm. It could be a, a, a vegetation farm. And yeah. so like, are all of these characters representation of different animals in a farm and who gets along and who doesn't and who needs to be killed off the farm, who is raised on the farm. It's like this breeding ground of a room of people on computers becoming the next, oh, I got to do my job well. I got to live on my phone. I got to live on my computer. I got to stir up a pot. That whole scene that they they have at the computer, it's towards the beginning of the show. And I believe it's Igor and Masha, I believe. And they're by the computer. And they're talking all about, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting what it is now. But they, they started the thread. Remember they, were, they started mm-hmm. the Twitter thread and they were going on and on and on and on. And like 15 minutes in and they, they were way out left field on what they were talking about because of the engagement of all these people. And it makes you believe, can anybody go on the internet, post something or do something and people will believe it? Maybe a lot of people won't, but there's always someone who will believe anything anyone says. And I wonder why that happened in 2016. Has that always happened? Will this continue to happen? It just makes me think of so many things. Well, right. And that's why I think this has us thinking about this from the aspect of they created a divide here in America. And we always hear people say, oh, the country is more divided than ever. Maybe there is some factualness to that, right? You know, oh, like this person, it's either you're so far left or you're so far right. And like, where has the middle ground gone? that used to be here, I think at least. And like to have these trolls be planted in the internet now that kind of help divide that, it's so interesting. But I think the bigger thing to watch is that in their own farm, they're so divided. Oh, yes. And that it becomes such like a survival of the fittest moment. So like here, we're already surviving um, on whatever side you are on politically. But there, it's like, the same thing. And I think there's it's so intriguing to watch that and say, wow, look, that person just wants to be on the top the same way they're creating the divide here. It's already divided. And then when you get to the end and you see Trump wins, they're celebrating, not necessarily because because multiple times some characters say, oh, this guy, oh, this guy. They're not even really personally invested in what's going on. They're just happy they won because their agency looks good now that they got through. And then what happens at the end? We have Christine Lottie's character, we'll talk about her in a second, just is taken out because there's a whole story made up about her having an affair and the, 
And that's what I loved about the set design too, is watching them walk out of the office in that glass window in the back. So what, my question, I guess, for you is what do you think really happens at the end? Well, we see it with an earlier character, um, Nikolai, who is kind of head of the office, who's overseen by, how do you say her name? Luba? Christine Lottie's character? Luby? Yeah, Luba. Uh, Luba. So she's the head. And then Nikolai's underneath, but he's like in the top seat. And they created this whole narrative to get Nikolai out, um, Igor and Steve. And then that worked. Masha becomes the head of the seat. But then they take down Luba, Igor and Steve. And they're kind of like in this whole shocked moment of like, wow, it actually worked. But I think there's a little bit of like a uncertainty when you're leaving the show because you don't actually know what the Russians, like the Russian army does to these people once they go against what they're supposed to do. So they're hired to create these problems. But as soon as you go against the Russian problems, they do something to you. So whether that's being gay or being it like against cheating, the, or, cheating or the, like creating yeah. something and it's like, Oh, okay. Do they, are they safe still? Are they go, do they go to jail? Do they kill them? I don't know. And you're kind of leave, you're left there and it's like all for what? And it's like how, how defensive they are in their tweets and in their internet engagement can be very different from how they are when they're not in front of a computer or a phone and how defenseless maybe they are, some of these characters. And it kind of leads me into some of these characters a little bit because I want to start talking a little bit about directions and character performances and design here. What did you think of this cast? We had these five wonderful performers on stage playing these really eccentric characters. What did you think of the cast? We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Well, first, I want to, you know, I think that all five of them are doing a great job in this role. They really are kind of developing these characters enough, just enough for us on the stage. And there are, there's enough of that, like, break the fourth wall where it's like, ooh, like, let's shift into their minds and like what, you know, they're kind of just like saying to us in their monologues versus like, oh, okay, we're watching a play. And I feel like, you know, I'm going to praise Christine Lottie here. She does like her whole part by herself. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. That, that um, is amazing in itself. And also um, John Lavelle, who has a moment there too. I mean, yep. it's the most probably one of the most unlikable characters we've ever seen on the stage. But like at the end, you're like, wow, he's really interesting because he makes you think the most in this show. Totally. And I would say um, John and Christine were the standouts for me too. I mean, Christine, Academy Award nominee. She, when I was at Michigan, she came and spoke to us and did a masterclass with us. She's wonderful. Mm. I believe she's a Michigan graduate, I, I think. I am almost positive. 
but she's a really accomplished uh, actress. And to see her in this, playing this role, it's wonderful to see her live. And yeah, John Lavelle, same thing. This really eccentric character that he's so committed to. And they both have monologues to the audience where they're describing their life or like what life is like now. And it just, it made the piece intimate. It made me realize that I was a part of the play. The audience was kind of taken in. And they all did a really nice job. But it was a very strong cast, for sure. I totally agree with that. And with that, we're supposed to have these, like, uncomfortable moments in this show. This You're not supposed to go to this show and feel comfortable at all. I mean, it's mm. literally about a, a, a trolls trolling the whole presidential election that has driven so many of these people, uh, so many of the people of this country, like, I don't know out so many bizarre thoughts and things that i've seen online so he really john really brings that uncomfortableness to this whole piece and he's even like he's sitting there and i don't even i give him props because i don't even know how he says some of the things that he says and he's saying them directly to the audience for audience feedback and response which is like whoa you know like certain things about race and religion gender and and all of these things and but part of the me was like thinking about some of them there and i was like oh i didn't think about it that way or oh i did think about it that way and who actually creates the divide and also you know masha igor luba and nikolai are all russian names and john's character's name is steve and it's so interesting that he's almost like an American Trump supporter transplant in this office that he can because he's that he's portraying what seems to be a stereotypical. I don't, I don't want to say all Trump supporters maybe were like this, but he is trying to perceive that like um, election denier, Trump supporter, make America great again kind of a person. And his name is Steve. You know, it's not. I think that's interesting from a writing perspective that that's the one character with like a very American name you know yeah, well, because from that perspective of seeing steve and you are kind of like hitting the nail on the head i think of like could he be american and does he transfer there but then on top of it is there's this whole underlying message of like oh the american still comes out out on top yeah because he kind of won the day at the end even though they won the election he's still kind of won over the f- other four or five in the office right which is because because I think there's this whole other hidden message of like he actually wants Trump to win, where the other four are just doing their job. They don't want to. They they're just having fun being these other personas, but they could care less about what's happening in America. They just want Russia to be on top. He actually cares what's happening in America because he wants it to be that way. I don't know. We could be going completely off the rail yeah. here, but it, could it is be. very fascinating. It could be. <laughs> and and also, I want to talk a little bit about design here. It was very well designed. I mm-hmm. actually thought there was, a, first of all, from costumes, Christine Lottie had quite a few costumes and I, I really looked very nice. And I thought they all did a great job, even with, with Steve's character's costumes and all the others. Um, it was very clear that a set lighting and projection designer and sound designer worked together on this. I loved the interstitial moments in between scene changes of being actual audio clips from the election. News reporters, interviews with Hillary Clinton's voice, Donald Trump's voice. There's something about when you use actual footage of something mm-hmm. as an audience member where I sit and I say, oh, I remember when they said that. 
Yeah. Or, oh, I remember hearing that. It doesn't, it can even be something from before I was born. When you hear an audio clip or, a, or a, see a video of a president or something, you think, oh, what was America or the world thinking when that was said on a microphone? And mm-hmm. so we, this is some, one of the, you know, Jeff, how many times have we seen plays set way before our time? And we oh, yeah. say, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that was like. And now we're starting to see plays about actual historic moments where we lived through them. And not even as children, really as adults. 2016 was not that long ago. And we're yeah. sitting there and we're saying, oh, I remember when he said that. Ah, or, oh, I remember when she said that. And then the news reporters commenting on it. And now we're, we're not even one presidential election cycle beyond that. We're two. And we're still having January 6th discussions from 2020 and COVID and that election. And all that. That's a whole nother play. You know, we can watch all of it, but this is just about 2016. And then, you know, when controversial we saw, moments when we saw Hillary and Clinton on Broadway, yeah. that was from 2012 when it wasn't, we weren't even at the twenty. That was when Hillary was running and didn't make it past the, so like, it's interesting to see these plays about these specific elections and not just about Trump or Clinton, but about specific times. And so when you saw the projections and the use of audio, and then you saw that window in the back of the set, oh, someone's coming. Or someone's leaving, or someone's waving to someone. I loved. It. I thought that was yeah. so cool. You can kind of be a step ahead of what was to come. It was very, very smart design. I would, very one of the well designed off Broadway pieces I've seen on. on this yeah, I thought it was sure. designed really well too. I love that it had this whole WeWork kind of vibe to it. Like, oh, you know, they work in this all white space, and that even like being in another country, it still looks like everywhere else. So, and I thought that Darko was giving some really great um, notes to the actors on where they should be playing downstage to the audience, not to the audience, to each other. I did great. Darko is a Broadway gentleman's guide, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Some wonderful stuff. Um, Yeah, I think this was really, really well executed in this space. It also had the laptops on stage with live cams, Mm -hmm. which is hard from a technological standpoint to make sure those are like up and running correctly. And so it was nice to see their live facial reactions when they were tweeting or working. Very Mm -hmm. cool. Because it could have very easily been pre-recorded or just put up there. I thought that was a very cool moment too. And you really believe that they're writing those tweets in real time, (laughs) kind of, because it's just so outrageous, some of the things that were said but that's you know. what's cool about this, because even from the writer, like the writer was inspired by seeing these tweets in general. And at the end of the show, they show real tweets that came out during that time. Like, and you're reading some of them and you're like, no, there's no way that this was written. And obviously it's trolling. So like, I think as, you know, people of the Internet, we're starting to realize more and more what's a troll and what's not a troll. And even in comment sections, you know, some of the most bizarre things are written sometimes on people's posts. And you're like, whoa, there's not a real person could not write that. And they are writing it. But it's like, you know, it's but I don't know, because it's that is a thought that someone clearly is resonating with. And that makes it even worse. And they mentioned in the play at one point, like, oh, this new AI could be the new. And now here we are in 2024 actually eight years later dealing with some AI and what that means for tweets and messaging and media and news. It's very interesting. And I don't know what's going to every election cycle going to be like this because I I feel like even when I'm sometimes talking to people, there are some people will say something and I'll say, Oh, is that true? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the fact checking, a fact checker now for a debate has to be, yeah, that's a hard job now, right? right? got to be, yeah. got to be on it. So yeah. what was your overall experience going to the Vineyard Theater for the first time? How, and with the show? We'll be right back. Let's jump back into things. I've always wanted to go to the Vineyard Theater. It's right in Union Square. They do some wonderful things. It's our first time there. Lovely space. Nice, small proscenium, almost black box style proscenium, small house. I loved it. I know there's big, some big names and some big works starting there. And it's nice to see off-Broadway. Listen, I always think off-Broadway shows with independent producers on an independent rental of a theater totally works. Love that. But there's something nice about these off-Broadway spaces that seem to dwindle every few years. But when you see Vineyard Theater staying strong. When you see a New York Theater Workshop staying strong, when you see some of these spaces really holding their own and putting a season out in a small space and not necessarily thinking this needs to transfer to Broadway, this needs to be a movie. It could, but it also doesn't have to, you know? Yeah. And I thought that it was just a nice space. It was a nice, and it's right in Union Square there. I love supporting spaces like that. I hope they keep doing some of these cool, new, edgier works. Yeah, I feel like we're going through our, this is like our year of let's visit new, uh, well, not new, but let's visit the off-Broadway locations that we really have not been to yet. And so this was a great experience for me as well, because it's just showing that there is this raw, real theater scene still in New York. And there, it really should be experienced more by more people. And I'm like, Broadway's great. We love Broadway. But at the same time, there's so much happening off Broadway. And it really gives you that like theater festival style. And like we have all these theaters around New York City. It's like, go, go check them out. Yeah. And I look, now that I see so much off Broadway, I always say to myself, we kind of ask each other this question a lot. Should this go to Broadway? And it's like, I don't know. The more I keep thinking about that, I'm like, it could. It would probably do well. It also doesn't have to. And it would be okay if it doesn't. I'm kind of on the fence with this one, if you agree or disagree on that. What I'm starting to realize with some of these things, like this is downtown. It's like near Union Square. So it's not really in the Broadway um, theater district. district. I just wish there were probably like three or four like really close off-Broadway houses that people kind of respected so that a show like this could move up just to that next level and was treated the same way as Broadway. Does that make Mm. sense? And there are some off-Broadway spaces that are in Midtown that could work like that. I understand what you're saying. It's like so many bridge and tunnelers and tourists don't know New York City below 25th Street and above like 58th Street. Like It's so interesting to me how so many people come to Mid-Manhattan and then don't realize there's so much art and museums and theater and and performances of all kinds, way uptown, way downtown in the five boroughs, New Jersey, Connecticut, Westchester. I mean, you know, you can go so much theater in this area besides that. I think it's just defining a little bit more about like, what do people want Broadway to be? And what do people just want theater in general to be? Because I think there's like two different things that are happening there. And like, does this work on Broadway? I don't know. Because it's like, this is a complex show for not the everyday theater goer. Yep. 
you might have some people say, oh, this is too political. Oh, I don't want to say, you know, but I don't think, I think it was very eye-opening about what was going on under our noses during that time. And maybe that's what's way. needed on Broadway. But at the same time, I don't know if everyone will respect it as much as like probably everyone in that audience respects mm -hmm. it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So. so. Uh, oh my gosh, wow. time is flying by here. That does wrap up our discussion in the episode today. Final thoughts on Russian Troll Farmer Workplace Comedy, Jeff, go. Again, go check it out for an eye-opening experience about like, it's like your inside look at what a troll farm looks like. And I don't know, it just makes you really think, especially when I start seeing things on the internet now, I'm going to think twice on if I think it's real or not. Yeah, we all should be really making sure we're educated on a lot of things, right? Um, final thoughts on, I, on the back of the playbill, is Vineyard Theater fearlessly made in New York. I think that bravely sums up this piece. This was with a title like that, with the text like that. Oh yeah, fearless to bring something like that to a stage. Um, and it's deserving of being on stage. I love the Vineyard Theater space. I really thought this was enjoyable. And like I said in the beginning, the execution of this text to a live performance on stage from designer, actor, direction, across the board, very impressive and very well done. I will be back at the Vineyard Theater for sure because it's a wonderful, wonderful space. Yeah. So that's my thoughts. Amazing. That does wrap up our discussion of the episode today. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into Russian Troll Farm, a workplace comedy. The show is playing until February 25th at the Vineyard Theater. We will share the link in our description with ticket information for you and all. And don't forget, we want to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. And let us know your thoughts on Russian Troll Farm. Just no trolling. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how funny. <laughs> and if you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review. Your feedback helps us bring more theater to you. And remember, you can listen to past episodes and stay tuned for upcoming ones as well. Until next time, I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.